Band-Aids and Butter Beans, we're online. Hello, my name is Will, and this is Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world that likes to see a big chopper get blown. Now it's 30 years since Die Hard was released, and the world of action cinema was changed forever. Since then, we've seen all manner of variations on the formula. We've seen it on a plane, on a train, and even in the unforgettable toy soldiers played out in a boy's private boarding school. So we arrive in 2018, where the creative team behind the long-running comedy series Workaholics have decided that what the world really needs is Die Hard, but with dick jokes. So the film we're reviewing on this show is the new Netflix movie Game Over Man. To help me look at the film, I'm joined by a man who always buys his suits from John Phillips. He only ever eats partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, and he will always try and let you know before he commandeers your men. With me today is DJ Valentine from Simplistic Reviews. How are you doing, DJ? Hello, Mr. Slater. <laughs> I am happy to be here. I am happy to be on Exploding Helicopter. Yeah, oh, um, how are you doing? I'm here. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to be doing uh, Alan Rickman for the uh, Alan for Rickman the, whole show. the entire time. Don't be <laughs> foolish. No. <laughs> well, you do that. Uh, you do that all the time, but outside of podcasts. You, you only I, use I, your I, real I walk voice. around. I, I, I walk around. People, Mister Potter, <laughs> Mister, and they turn around. What? Huh? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> It's my no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's fair to say uh, that you bow to no man in your uh, appreciation of of Die Hard, and uh, I'm thinking that you could probably recite the entire script now. I can, if you want me to. Let's, let's start. <laughs> Act one. <laughs> what you do is you take your shoes off, you make fists with your tilt no, sorry. <laughs> well, you were a guest uh, way back on episode twelve when we were reviewing another action movie parody, the rather. Uh, excellent black dynamite so when uh, game over man came out with its uh, supposedly sort of uh, positioning itself as a kind of die hard sort of send up I, I, it seemed like you'd be the uh, ideal man for the job so uh, yeah i hope uh, you're going to be bringing that expertise to uh, to this episode i br- i will bring my die hard knowledge uh this is not die hard this is more like <laughs> why hard but uh <laughs> I will uh, I, I will compare notes. We will compare and contrast what Die Hard did right, what Game Over Man did right, what Die Hard did wrong. <laughs> we'll do all of that stuff. We'll cover everything. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Now, Die Hard was a hugely influential film. You're a massive fan of it. I mean, how do you feel about all the films that have, to one degree or another, aped its formula over the years? It is the act. It's my, I mean, and I've said this a zillion times. You've heard me say this a zillion times. It is the greatest action movie of all time. I don't come at me, bro, with your John Wicks. I love John Wick, but come at me, bro. It essentially John Wick didn't influence twenty years of cinema. <laughs> it, it, I mean, maybe more, maybe longer than that. I mean, the closest action film to me that's gotten close to supplanting Die Hard, which is almost sacrilegious to say for me, is Fury Road. But that's it, I mean, that took what. 30 years mm. for that for me to even cons- waver on the fact that you have one of the greatest villains in cinematic history, one of the greatest anti-heroes in cinematic history, all put together in a tower with Christmas elements. It's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Come at me, bro, with your Christmas stories <laughs> and your uh, Jimmy Stewart's. I don't care about that stuff. Die Hard is perfect. It's great. I, I mean, again, I, I, I've been fighting this battle for many years, but I fight it proudly because I I have Die Hard on my side. They don't. <laughs> well, what is your favorite Die Hard clone? What is your favorite Die Hard in a movie? 
You mentioned Toy Soldiers. I I almost forgot about how good that movie. <laughs> I, I, I really like Toy Soldier. Louis Gossett Jr. You got Will Wheaton action going on there. Uh, I like that movie. Die Hard Clone. I guess. I mean, there's Passenger 57, which is just just dumb fun. Hmm. Oh man, this is, there's so many. That's why I love Die Hard because elements of every all these movies. I'm like, well, okay, let me see your Hans Gruber. Eh. Let me see. Okay, let me see your uh, Al Pal. Yeah, <laughs> I could do that for all these movies, and it, it, it just shows how influential it is. But I think now that I gotta go watch Toy Soldier. You've 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 sparked the Toy Soldier. I haven't seen that movie in like ten years. <laughs> but I remember watching it. And I was like, man, this is Joe, Louis Gossett Jr. is coming through the window. It's it's so good. it's such a good movie, and they don't pull any punches. This is a private school, and kids getting killed <laughs> all over the place, which is like for nowadays you cannot even do that movie. But back in the day, it was just like, wow, this is. This is interesting, and and you get to see Samwise Gamgee save the day. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he spends an awful lot of the movie running around in his uh, big white wife front. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's probably something else you couldn't do or wouldn't do today. No, you cannot do that. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be bad on so many levels, Rudy. <laughs> Okay, let's get stuck into Game Over Man. So let's listen to a insert witty link to trailer. We have three waiters on the run. I think we should turn ourselves in. Wait, what are you? What's with the pockets? I'm showing them I'm unarmed. We can take them. My name is Alex with three X's. I'm about to go explosive on these motherfuckers. Three X means poison, by the way. Uh, it's also a Vin Diesel movie. Three down-on-their-luck friends work as housekeepers in a Las Vegas hotel. The trio dream of developing their own video game, and it appears that this may be about to come true when they blag funding from a wealthy social media entrepreneur staying at the hotel. But those plans are shattered when terrorists take over the hotel with the aim of robbing the millionaire mogul. What follows is a cat-and-mouse game amidst the high-rise hotel as our deadbeat heroes try to stop the crafty criminals. Game Over Man stars Anders Holm, Adam Devine and Blake Anderson. The trio all starred in long-running TV comedy Workaholics, alongside Carl Nuacek, who directs the film. There are a lot of familiar faces among the supporting cast. We've got Neil McDonough as the terrorist leader, uh, Rona Mitra as his psychotic sidekick, Daniel Stern as the hotel's sleazy manager, plus bit parts and cameos from Gillian Bell, the cigarette-smoking man from X-Files, and popular recording artist Shaggy. Now, this film has only just been released. Currently, it has a 5.7 rating on IMDb. Critics' reviews have largely, well, actually, uh, have been almost wholly negative. The New York Times epitomised many reviews describing Game Over Man as an almost laugh-free comedy, which is distinguished only by its relentless level of outrageous yet strangely listless vulgarity. So, talking of uh, other people's opinions, I'm going to throw this over to you, DJ. What did you make of Game Over Man? Well, I, I thought we were cool, man. I, I thought we were cool, and yet you subject me to this film? I guess that's what it is. I sat and watched this quote-unquote film with my dog, and halfway through, he turned to me and said, this movie hurts my brain. And I agreed with that statement so completely, I totally glossed over the fact my dog had somehow acquired the power of speech. The first scene goes on 
forever, <laughs> which mainly, which mainly centers around two characters trying to take a picture of the other with a full condom on his face. Right then, I knew this was going to be a rough sit. And boy, what I mean, shuttle trips through the Earth's atmosphere aren't as rough a sit as Game Over Man. <laughs> it is, and I think that last you read when it said it's a laughless comedy. I mean, I've seen Workaholics. And the episodes were okay. I was drawn more toward the humor of the, the ladies on Broad City. But that that's what this film kind of feels like. A long, shrug-your-shoulders sketch from Workaholics. Once you know that you make peace with the fact that the plot's going to be thin. So you just want the movie to make you laugh. And that's all you got to do, movie. Just make me laugh. But I was struggling to crack a smile throughout this entire film. I think I laughed at one joke. I didn't, it wasn't a laugh. It was more like a, hmm. <laughs> was at the very, very end of the movie when, uh, I guess, spoiler alert. Okay, they, it's not really a spoiler, but somebody make, makes mention of uh, somebody's drug habit really loud. And the other character like does a playful, like, Shh, don't tell anybody. That's the only time I kind of shrug, like, hmm. But the rest of the movie, I'm just like, this is, hap- this is, this is happening? This- and, and, and you're talking about this. <laughs> this cast, you got Neil McDonough, Rona Mitra, Donald Faison, Fred Armisen, Joel McHale. What are you doing in this? Freaking Daniel Stern. What What the tap dancing Christ is Daniel Stern doing <laughs> in this movie? He, he, he looks like he was bitten by a zombie 20 minutes prior and decided to hide it from the rest of the group. It's like his, his television is like the Ark of the Covenant. He looks melted. Like, I'm like, I'm looking, when he first shows up on the screen, you'll be like, wait. Is, is that somebody wearing a Daniel Stern skin suit? Oh my God, that's Daniel Stern! Holy! Cr- and what they do with him? Oh, and then the I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna gloss over the Home Alone reference later in the movie. It's this movie is not even a train wreck. That's that's an insult to train wrecks. And at least there's sometimes there's uh, maybe even more humor in a train wreck than this movie. It's bad. It's bad. let me underline the point. It's bad. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, the, the the quickest way to me to sum this movie up is to say that, uh, you know, it's the A Good Day to Die Hard of movie parodies. Oh. It is, it's a terrible film, and I cannot emphasise that enough. I mean, this is, oh, it's, as you said... It's a hate, it's, it's a hate crime to cinema. It's a hate crime to cinema. <laughs> it, is. it is. It is so, it is so weak. It is so poor. You know, the aim of this film is really unclear. It, it's kind of marketed as this sort of diehard parody or action movie sort of send up. But, you know, it, it fails. Like, oh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It completely fails as, you know, as a parody movie. It's just 100 minutes of penis jokes. Uh, you know, the trio of characters at the centre of this film, they're all really unlikable. You know, they're all flawed which is, you know, but they don't have any redeeming qualities. So you end up not caring at all in whether they achieve their goals. And then you just throw in like just some of the weakest writing that I have, that I've probably ever come come across. And you're just left with an absolute abomination of a movie. And we talk about writing. I mean, on my show, I have to, I have to write sketches every month. And I'm not a comedy, I'm not freaking, you know, a comedy writer. And I'm looking, I'm like, they wrote this as a joke? And then we're like, yes, we're done. Like, that, that, that's it? The, the, the two, uh, terrorists, uh, see association thing, and then they, they get horny off of that? That's your <laughs> joke? 
I mean, and let me just underline this point. If if you want to talk about, uh, there's a sequence in this film that is, I mean, there's many sequences that are is so cringeworthy involving the concept of homosexuality, so off color, so stereotypical and not funny. I couldn't believe it was happening. I'm like watching it. I'm like, this is actually their joke. This is the joke they wrote. It feels like me watching Tom and Jerry cartoons when Thomas is being yelled at by a Southern black mammy. But that cartoon was decades ago in terms of its tone deafness, in terms of sensitivity. The the homosexuality joke happened to this movie. Well, this movie a year. This happened. That somebody wrote this joke a year ago. Like, this is perfect. Because he's gay, he has the power of slap fighting. I don't understand what the, I don't know what was happening. I don't know what was happening. And Ron Amitra, Ron Amitra, you She's you better than this, isn't she? She's, she's better, better than this. She was Laura freaking Croft. She was on Boston Legal. She was awesome. Her scenes with James Spader are maybe my favorite scenes in television because it's just such, she's such a, the sultriness of it. And I guess she's supposed to be Carl? Carl would cringe at this. <laughs> Carl would be like, wait, what? You're licking the villains? Why would you lick that guy? And I I didn't even recognize the cigarette-smoking man. Until you said I was like, oh, my God, that was a cigarette-smoking man. No. What (laughs) is he doing in this movie? What is he doing in this movie? Is this this movie just a collection, like a a videotape of blackmail? Like, we have everything. We have things on all of the people. They must show up in our movie. Because when I see Mark Cuban in here, I'm like, Mark Cuban, you're a billionaire. Why are you in this movie? Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> get out! Get out! Steve-O makes sense being in this. Steve-O makes sense being in this because this is essentially a painful stunt. This this movie is an entire painful stunt. So Steve is showing, okay, that makes sense. But Donald F- Fred Armisen? You know how talented Fred Armisen is? Why are you even... I wouldn't show my face in the theater, let alone in the movie. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry. Well, well, I think a lot of the cameos in this movie, I think this film was, was filmed in Canada, and I think they just basically got there, and they just sort of, okay, who's in town? Yeah, cigarette-smoking guy from, from X-Files. <laughs> you, you're here? Come along. You can do... Come you, along. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be a morning's work. We'll pay you in cash. None of the, none of the cameos in this movie, they don't... They don't make sense. They're just like a random hodgepodge of, of people. And that's what, that's what it makes me feel is like they just bumped into these people in the lobby of the hotel they were staying at. And they said, yeah, sure, come in. We'll, you know, we haven't got they anything to, written down for you, but, you know, come in and do a bit. Had, okay, if I were into Joel McHale, who I loved, I love Joel McHale. And I go, hey, you're on Community. You've been working with Dan Harmon. You actually know comedy. Okay, here's your bit. <laughs> If I'm Joe McHale, I'm looking at this, I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is stupid. <laughs> this is stupid. This, I mean, look at this. Look look at what you wrote. This is stupid. I'm well, not, the, uh, the most egregious one of that is has got to be Gillian Bell, because I don't know how they got her into this movie, because, you know, she's presumably got an agent. And, you know, her agent, her agent rings up. Yeah, I've got this, uh, I've got this like a small bit in a movie called Game Over Man. You're going to be a hostage and you're going to poo your pants. And and that's it. That wasn't a quick scene because she had to come back and do ADR of her saying it <laughs> fell on my anklet. And so that's like two days of work minimum. Right. That is why I'm saying they have to have pictures of them with goats or something. I don't there has to be some kind of blackmail. This might be a confession. This movie, this movie might be a confession. We've blackmailed all these celebrities. It feels like a, a Maxwell House commercial. We've gotten all these celebrities <laughs> in this room and we're going to show you that we can make them do anything. It's just like uh, Neil McDonough, who I mean, he's been on he's on the CW shows now and he's essentially playing 
the exact same character. And he's been kind of playing the exact same character for the last mm. 20 years anyway. So him being there, I was like, all right, fine. That kind of sucks for you because I remember when you were in Minority Report. I remember when you were doing stuff like Boomtown on NBC. You were actually an actor, and now you're just like, hey, I'm the arch guy because I'm blonde. But when I see, like, Ron Amitra hurt me, and Daniel Stern really hurt me because, like, oh, the voice of the Wonder Years is is, is, is subject to throwing his deal around. I just uh, it, it, it's moving. <laughs> and then, and, and on top of the fact, because when, when going in, and I think you had hinted that this was kind of like an ode to Die Hard going in, and I was more worried about that. I was like, oh god, don't speak Die Hard. It's just gonna <laughs> piss me off. But like halfway through it, it's like, oh, this is nowhere near Die Hard. It's Die Hard in the terms of there's terrorists, they're in the building, and the villain is kind of British. Mm. <laughs> kind of, I guess, or German. I don't think Hans is German, but whatever. But that's it. The, the steps these guys take to I guess defeat the terror. They're not trying to defeat. They're trying to leave. They're <laughs> 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 not trying to defeat anything. There's a scene where... Uh, I guess I'm spoiling the movie because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you can't spoil they, it any more than anyone involved in this movie already has. So I think <laughs> you should just plow on regardless. It's a brown banana of a movie, so I can't make it worse. Uh, there's a scene where they, they're in the, the, the control room, and the villain knows exactly where they are, and they know that the villain knows exactly where they are, and they both stay there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm like where are the rest of the terrorists? They're going to come. They know where you are. You're using the guy's phone where he was. What's going on? That's why the diehard element is gone from this. And then I'm left with, as you say, penis jokes for the next 40 minutes. And when that scene happened, when they were with the, they take out the Theo guy, I looked at my timer on the net. I was like, 30 minutes or less. <laughs> what else could they do? What else could they do? In the end of the movie, the characters are now responsible, and everybody else, all the hostages, are responsible for a vicious murder. <laughs> Even though it was a bad guy, everyone responsible in the party, if you think about it, is responsible for the murder of two people. Arrest everyone. Set them all to jail. The cast in this movie should be arrested for many, many reasons. But uh, you know, I, we got to we got to get into this particular. I'm, you know, I apologize for this. We got to get into this area of the film, which is what is it with the dick jokes? I mean, what is it? What I, is I don't it? mind. Yes. I don't mind a bit of smut. I don't mind a bit of dirty humor. But this is they're just obsessed with the male I, member. I I, I, I don't it's, understand. It's I think they might have been told, hey, you guys can show full uh, frontal male nudity. And they just took it to the end. Remember when South Park was making uh, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and they sent something out to the MPA, and they were like, this is too bad. And then South Park made it like 20 times worse just so they could negotiate with something. This seemed like they did the same thing, but they left everything in. And the 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 first dick joke was kind of like, okay, all right, great. But then there's like 20 others after that, and it's just like, what? Why? Why do you keep doing the the, the Daniel Stern one? Was just kind of like, guys, <laughs> we get it, <laughs> we get it. There's a men have a penis, women have a vagina. Can we move on? <laughs> I mean, there are gay porn films which are less obsessed yes. with penises gay than porn this movie. Film this movie. A, <laughs> a gay porn takes place in the second, the end of the first act, <laughs> and then they're just burning through into whole new penis related territory after that i mean i found this offensive not because there are so many jokes here about dicks you know we even god help us in one scene see daniel stern's member amputated but i I found it as offended because do you think i'm this intelligent that you can kind of serve up 
rubbish like this and think I'm going to be amused by it. I mean, it just that was the that was the element that I found offensive. I didn't find the the kind of you know the the male nudity transgressive or shocking or you know or confronting. I just I just I just found it offensive that somebody thought I was this stupid that I might be entertained by this. Twenty One Jump Street does this joke, and they did it at the end of the movie, and it was well the uh, Rob Riggle getting his penis shot off. Mm. I thought that was funny, and that's, that's a dick joke, but it's kind of like okay, I get it, and they kind of play it up for laughs, and that's it. It's well, ex- it's a it's a well executed dick joke. This is like this is like a shotgun of dick jokes. Like, <laughs> like, if this one doesn't work, how about this one? No, okay, it's more like a one? it's more like an Uzi nine millimeter <laughs> of dick jokes, isn't it? And they empty it's the like full clip. Of, it's like it's a mini gun of dick jokes. <laughs> it's just a it's just the body of Ventura and Predator of dick jokes. <laughs> Just shooting them all over the. <laughs> Jesse has just gotten shot. Arnold has picked up the. the yeah, and just like uh, and just like uh, Jesse Ventura, we hit nothing. We hit nothing. <laughs> nothing, man. <laughs> we didn't land one of these awful goddamn jokes. There's Not something one. out there, and it ain't no dick joke. <laughs> We're all gonna die. <laughs> oh, we just watch the predator. Can we just watch the predator right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I kind of also wonder about the, the, you know, the kind of the people who put this film together, which is the, the, you know, the, the, the kind of the trio and main actors in this and the, and the, and the director, because I, you know, I might've been more amused by this when I was like 13 years old, you know, and, you know, kind of still trying to discover myself as a man or whatever. Uh, I probably was a lot more interested or, you know, kind of in my own penis at that, at that particular point. But, you know, looking at these characters, they're in their mid thirties. They're, they're heading towards 40. Right. You know, if you're 13, you're going to be looking at these guys and you're going to be thinking, who are these old dudes acting like teenagers? I, th- I think you get the aspect, like in Superbad, there's a huge dick joke thing going on in Superbad. But I, it, it makes kind of, I don't know, maybe because it's executed better, probably because it's executed better. But Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill at the time, they seem like young, you know, teenagers. Hmm. You, they're relatable. When you're looking at these, like you're saying, 40 year old guys talking about, you know, uh, did the you size see my dick? Someone's it, load in a condom. It, it, it's, it's just like, what, what? <laughs> 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 really? Come on, man. Maybe I might be again. I might be a comedy sub. If I can't laugh for how long is this movie? It's an I, hour I, and 40 minutes. I don't God, know. It felt like it's inexcusable. It felt it felt like two towers. It felt so <laughs> long. Like the, I'm talking about the DVD, the the, the extended edition, it's a, pun intended, because it just goes on forever. It's like, oh my god, and I haven't laughed. I Donald Faison kind of got almost got me there, but I hate <laughs> Stacey Dash now, so I was like, ah, <laughs> maybe. But there's no jokes in there. All the jokes, one, are derivative. Two, you've seen them everywhere name me a joke in here that you haven't seen done better by somebody else but then it ends in, with with a uh a, a toss salad oh, <laughs> scene which i don't even know where to begin with that that was <sighs> i mean there's so many things that have in this movie where you're just like really okay well at least it'll be quick oh it's not going to be quick it's going to be two straight minutes of this yeah oh god <laughs> 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, sort of diehard, I guess, aspects of this movie. I mean, the basic premise of the movie is kind of, is sort of similar to, to Die Hard, and that does seem to have been sort of played up a bit in the, the marketing of, uh, of this film. And uh, there are a few things in here that um, I did sort of notice that were kind of like callbacks to uh, to that, to the original and the classic, you know, the best in the series, the kind of that totem of, of action movies so we do see the the three sort of characters here we do see them swinging about on the uh, outside of the building and they have to smash through a window to get back in uh, as we've mm. already mentioned they we've got this uh, character in the movie who is uh, very clearly a nod towards uh, theo the uh, the uh, nerdy tech expert from uh, die hard um, he even says the line he even literally says I'm the black guy from Die. I'm not the. I don't look like the black guy from Die Hard. Essentially, what he says. Yeah, because you know, because this film just can't trust you to, uh, to you know, trust you with it's your own. It's Die Hard. Get it? Nudge <laughs> in your ribs. Nudge, nudge. But uh, did you see? Um, did you see any other sort of callbacks or or links to uh, to Die Hard? I guess the black cop downstairs was supposed to be Al Powell, but he's like the worst actor ever. It seemed like he was an actual <laughs> police officer. <laughs> and he has only the one shot <laughs> in the movie. I guess that's supposed to be the Al Powell mm. mixed with N.T. Robinson. I guess um, the stuff on TV didn't even have a, they didn't really have a Dick Thornburg, uh, Ooh, but they did have. And this is a very deep cut. The name of the female newsreader was oh, yeah. Gail Wallins, which is the same as yeah, as in uh, Die Hard, which is a very deep uh, cut back to the original movie, which comes back to my, the point I was making about this film. I don't know what they were trying to do with this film. I mean, it, <laughs> it, the, if it's meant to be an action movie parody, it completely fails. 21 Jump Street is a much better example. Black Dynamite is a much better example of those type of action movie uh, parodies. <laughs> Uh, what's the name of uh, Baywatch? Baywatch is even in this a horrible movie. Is a better example mm. of, a, of an actual parody than uh, than this. Than this, than this horror. But you know, <laughs> and then the, the but then the title of the movie is slightly confusing because I've you know read that the, the, the title is basically a nod back to uh, Bill Paxton's line in Aliens. Yeah. So. You know, they're clearly not just they clearly don't want to just focus on Die Hard. They're clearly trying to sort of focus maybe more on action movies. But like there isn't any of that element in it. And then within the film, I don't know if this was an idea that kind of they had that they got rejected or whether I'm seeing things here that that just aren't there. But, you know, with that title and with some of the stuff within the film, I kind of thought that what they maybe were going for was something a bit more along the action movie parody line. But, you know, you have these guys, their kind of big dream is to create this computer game. And I thought that it would maybe be more along the lines of they're using knowledge that they've picked up from computer games right. to get themselves out of this situation that they're in. And, right. And you know, there's kind of a, use a little bit of it when they say you yeah. got my kill and all, but it's, it's such a little amount. <laughs> it's such a little amount. And so it, then the title fits in with that premise and it had various ideas as, as to what i thought this movie was going to be doing or what i thought it was going to be like but what i saw it just left me completely baffled as to what on earth they were trying to do you gotta pitch a better movie you took two horrible movies and put together put them together in your mind that's a better movie than this which is pixels in this if they got they're like the 
the greatest gamers of all time, a GoldenEye expert, a Halo expert, an Overwatch mm. expert, and they're stuck in a terrorist situation, yeah. and they have to use their gaming knowledge to get over, that's a better, that's a, there's your pitch, there's your premise, I can understand it. But they don't use any of that. They use a skin <laughs> suit at the very end on a gay dude who's dead. dead and it, it's like, man, if, now that I'm thinking about it, that would, I could have probably enjoyed the movie more if you had, I mean, in, in the week of Ready Player One and stuff like that, if you're using video game knowledge in the real world at, and though I hate pixels and they kind of mess that up, but you do it in a terrorist, a diehard situation, I could dig that. It I, could I, work. And they, it could work. And, and, and Mark Cuban kind of, I guess, reverse engineers that idea at the end of the movie, I guess. But, uh, it it's a cluster bleep. <laughs> it's, a, it's just not. It's it. I don't know. It seems, it seems it seems like it was written by three different people in three different rooms who did not compare notes and then put put their scripts together and then shot it. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It definitely feels like that to me. Okay, well, I think we've come to the uh, end of this level, so uh, you're going to listen to a brief cutscene after which we'll be back for the boss fight and a look at the exploding helicopter action. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. We are back and we are looking at the exploding helicopter action. This occurs at the climax of the film. The villain tries to make a getaway from the hotel by flying away in a helicopter that's parked on the roof. Our heroes load the chopper with a number of bags which are meant to be filled with cash. But unbeknownst to the baddie, they're actually filled with the explosive neck collars he was using earlier to terrorise the guests. The explosives have been rigged to blow and the scoundrel has just a few seconds to realise the double cross before he's blown to smithereens. DJ, what did you make of the exploding helicopter action? Uh, I almost couldn't even really appreciate it because of the conf- how confusing it was. I guess they blew up where they get the money from. I thought the money was being hacked from an offshore account, but they had money in it. And then yep. how they get the collars off. I don't, I thought they were, if you'd separated them, they blow up. I didn't get that part. And then when I, as it's about to happen, I was completely distracted by how bad this guy's teeth was. I was like, Oh God, <laughs> ew. <laughs> His teeth, he looks like he was just eating a Hershey's bar. It's like all brown and ugh. But uh, again, and it is essentially a mass amount of people causing a murder. <laughs> they unknowingly cause a murder. They, they know what they're doing. They, they, they all rush out and blow him up, which is like, oh. And that explosion of all those collars would be like massive. <laughs> It would it would like be like a daisy cutter like all the buildings I guess they couldn't afford that effect because it was like three bags of co- explosive collars it one was of like them blew someone, up a fish it, it was tank. like someone ignited their own fart wasn't it really that that <laughs> that explosion it was that that's a great example it felt like okay how, how big can we make the explosion well we got about uh, five hundred grand left hmm. okay why don't we just cut like about two fifty from that and just make a little. <laughs> it kind of reminded me sadly it reminded me of the explosion in um uh justice league where wonder woman throws the thing up in the air and it blows up in this little small manner i'm like didn't you just say like 20 seconds ago this would take out like eight blocks and you threw it up in the air and it's this little 
<laughs> this helicopter should be all over. The whole city should be this this covered in flames by the amount of three bags of explosives. But yeah, I guess I've seen better and a better movie that's called Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is a callback. I mean, this scene, I guess, is a sort of callback to uh, to Die Hard, with uh, where we see sadly the two uh, the two Johnsons uh, meet their demise in a exploding helicopter at the top of a tower block. So very similar to this movie. But the uh, yeah, the explosion here. I mean, it's it's pr- it's pretty awful. Uh, it's very brief. Uh, the I mean the quality of the explosion is uh, I I think you you mentioned yeah I think that they, they clearly didn't have much budget left at this particular point in the movie because it's it's kind of like a CGI smudge isn't yeah. it it's less it's not really an explosion it's just sort of like someone like a, got, like a sparkler went off yeah it's like someone got like a magic marker and kind of just like woggled it round on the screen and you know okay we're done. Like, and I kind of get the impression, you know, this whole sort of sequence just left me with the overall impression that pretty much everyone was done with this movie. And they just thought, let's wrap this thing up. And, uh, you know, it was it was over and done with very quickly. And uh, I, I like to see a helicopter explode. But but we were so deep into this movie. I was just like, OK, <laughs> we don't need to spend any more time on this than is strictly was- necessary. Be honest. If the helicopter exploded in the middle of the movie, you'd have been done. You're like, okay, I got it. I can, I can do the podcast. I'll I'll, I'll be, I'm, sure DJ, I'm sure DJ can cover off the second half of this film on his own. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I remember that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the good, good part. <laughs> But yeah, there was nothing. Uh, there was nothing terribly innovative here. There was nothing original. Um, pretty poor in execution. Yeah, you did uh, raise something which was about this film, which is yeah, there, there are. You know, why is there cash there? It doesn't, you know, that doesn't make sense in terms of the plot. Why are those explosives in that bag? Again, there's no reason for it. I kind of suspect that there's probably, and we can only thank God, there's probably 10 or 15 minutes that they cut out of this movie. Oh, my heart literally just stopped beating for like half a second there. My heart literally skipped a beat when I thought, oh, no, director's cut. Oh. Oh, yeah. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to. Well, you watch this movie and you kind of think, because it is a pretty standard thing. They're going to release this on DVD or whatever. And, you know, they'll do, they'll market it as the extended or the harder cut. And you just think, I don't really, really don't want to see the bits they're putting back into this movie. Literally and figuratively. I do not want to see the bits anymore. Stop showing me the bits. We've got enough bits. We've got Daniel Stern's bits. We've got this guy's bits. Stop showing me bits. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> okay, I think it's time to say game over, man, on this episode of Exploding Helicopter. DJ, thanks for coming back on the show. Would you like to tell people about where they can find you online and what you're, uh, what they're in for when they get there? Uh, I'm on the Simplistic Reviews podcast. You'll never... Find another hive of scum and oh wait, this is the wrong. But, uh, the Simplicity <laughs> Reviews podcast is where Matthew Stewart, uh, Justin Pelizzi, and myself discuss all goings on in film and television, and uh, well, still allotting some time for do comedy sketches, probably a little bit better than this. Play games, make jokes at certain Cheeto-colored politicians' expenses. Uh, it's not good, it's not clean, but it's fun. I think it's fun. So check it out. Uh, searching in Simplicity Reviews on iTunes, YouTube, TuneIn, Podbean, Facebook. Uh, once you get through there sites of annoying Russian bots stealing your information. <laughs> well, I would uh, heartily commend uh, anyone listening to go and check it out. Uh, it's a it's a great show, well worth your time. As always, don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website for other reviews of films where helicopters explode. If you like what we do, then show us a little love and spread the word about what we do. It'd really help us out. We'll be back soon. So until then, every one of you listening to my voice, watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters.
This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.